the Sufism stresses two aspects. Wahdat al-wujud and al-insan al-kanan. We'll talk about even that uh, more about it. During all of this task of Sufism and nowadays, Sufism was not left without challenge. Was not left without challenge. The Salaf, the righteous predecessors, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with them all, gave their advice. When the bid'ah began, began in the early stages, they gave their advice and warned against the early deviations and mistakes of, the, of some of the early Sufis. They advised and they warned. They exposed the false concepts of beliefs and practices of Sufism. In the past and in the present also they still do so. This is by Allah's grace benefited and continues to benefit the Muslims worldwide. The truth propagated by al-da'wah al-salaf our da'wah al-salafiyyah is finding a great acceptance everywhere. Alhamdulillah. And the da'wah ila aqeedat wa manhaj al-salaf is finding acceptance everywhere. Alhamdulillah. Despite the efforts by the opponents who try to disseminate among the people that al-da'wah al-salafiyyah causes rifts between the Muslims and that they represent the way and that they, those opponents, represent the way of unity through they saw what they call mainstream Islam. They come and deceive the people. They said we represent mainstream Islam and you know, this da'wah ila salaf, this will divide the ummah, this will split the ummah. You see now? And as we explained earlier, to some of you, that the da'wah of the salaf is da'wah al-anbiya. It's the way of the prophets. And this da'wah does not split, this da'wah unites, but it unites on the truth. It does not unite on falsehood. And that's the difference. That's the difference between Ahl al-Bid'ah and Da'wat al-Salaf. Da'wat al-Salaf unites the Ummah on the truth, while Da'wat al-Bid'ah wants to unite them on everything, regardless of, regardless of their creeds and methodologies. Because for them, their objectives, their objectives and their goals come first. As they say, the end justifies the means. So, irrespective of your creed and uh, methodology, you could join many of these groups. Who oppose the Dawah al-Salam, oppose the Dawah al-Salam. Because they don't really care for them. They really don't care to teach the Muslims the true aqeedah, the true belief, the true tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because that's not really their main objective. A Dawah al-Salafiyah distinguishes between the truth and falsehood. And calls to unite the Muslims on the true tawheed and the true ittiba. So now we have covered what? We have covered, first of all, the term Sufism. What does it really mean? And we covered seven opinions about it. And we said the most widely held opinion is that it's derived from a Suf. Right? Remember that? And the second, we uh, went across the history of that, uh, of this, uh, this Sufi, uh, as we say, the Sufi cult. We really don't exaggerate. We don't exaggerate. Now we come to the concepts and practices of Sufism. Concepts and practices of Sufism. First, in reference to Tawheed of Allah the Most High. What are the Sufi concepts in terms of what? Regarding the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The belief in the oneness of Allah, 
the belief in the oneness of Allah, known as Tawheed, means to single Allah out with creation, sovereignty, and control of affairs, with all worship, and with whatever names and attributes he has asserted, asserted or affirmed for himself, or upon the tongue of his messenger, and as they befit his magnificence. This is the meaning of Tawheed. This is the comprehensive meaning of Tawheed. It means what? To single Allah out with creation, sovereignty, and control of affairs. And we studied this last night to be Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. Right? Yesterday in the talk about the belief in Allah, what? This comprises what? Al-Rububiyyah. Creation, sovereignty, and control of affairs. This refers to singling Allah out in Al-Rububiyyah. Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. With all worship, this singles Allah out in terms of Tawheed al-Uluhim. You understand? And with whatever names and attributes he has asserted for himself, and affirmed is that Tawheed al-Asma al-Rasim. So this definition, I repeat it for you, comprises the meaning of the three uh, branches of Tawheed. It means to single Allah out with creation, sovereignty, and control of affairs, with all worship and with whatever names and attributes he has affirmed for himself and upon the tongue of his messenger and as they befit his magnificence. And we spoke about the names and attributes and that there should be what? Bidun tahrir, bidun ta'atir, bidun ta'atir, bidun tamthir, bidun takir. Remember these four. What is the proof for this? What is the proof for this that we, we talked to you about? Somebody may tell you, what is the proof for this? What is the proof for, divide, for branching the Tawheed into three? Ahlul Bid'ah raises such doubts. The proof of this is in many texts from the Quran and authentic Sunnah. Many, many texts. One of them really is sufficient. One of them is only sufficient. It is in the saying of Allah the Most High in Surah Maryam, which is Surah 19, Ayah 65. Surah 19, Ayah 65. رَبِّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا الرَّحْمَانِ فَاعْبُدْهُ وَاصْطَبِرْ لِعِبَادَتِهِ هَلْ تَعْلَمُ لَهُ سَبِيًّا I will give you the translation of the meaning, inshallah, and you tell me where are the three branches of Tawheed in this ayah. Listen carefully. Allah is the Rabb of the heavens and the earth and all that is in between them. Did you deduce this from the ayah or not? Is it evident from the ayah or not? Ar-Rahman, the one whose mercy encompasses everything. So worship him alone and be patient and firm in his worship. And there is none who is similar to him. There is none who is similar to Tawheed wa Asma'u'l-Sif. All in one eye. Remember this eye. Remember this eye. All the three branches of Tawheed in one eye. Surah Maryam. Ayah 65. Ayah 65. 
Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, Shaykh al-Islam, rahimahullah, classified the halul into two kinds. Classified the halul into two kinds. The first is the specific halul, specific halul, like the claim of the Christians that Allah is incarnated in Isa alayhi salam, unlike that of the extremist Shia and Sufi mystics who claim that Allah is incarnated in Ali ibn Abi Talib and in special Sufi saints respectively. 
some of the Rashid of the Shia claim that uh, Ali is Allah. And Ali radiallahu anh disassociated himself from them. Not only that, he burned them alive. He got a diction, he put them there and set them on fire. When they told him, you are only Allah, even when burning them, they said, only Allah is the one who punishes by fire. So you must be Allah. This was the aqidah introduced by, by Abdullah ibn Sabah. Abdullah ibn Sabah, who was a Jew himself and claimed Islam, and his story is known. He is the one who attributed divinity to Ali. And I want to tell you, there is a strong linkage, as maybe in the future we'll speak about this inshallah in other talks. There is a strong linkage between Shiaism concept, Shia concept and Sufi concepts. There's a lot, a lot of common things between them in terms of concepts of belief. For example, the Sufis claim the issue of sainthood, al-wilaya. Huh? The Shia claim that what? Al-Imamah. Al-Imamah. And many things. Now, we can talk about this inshallah in the future, but for the moment we want to really finish the issue related to the Sufism so that hopefully when uh, you inshallah understand this very well, bi'ithnillah, you will help yourself and also you will be able to uh, dissipate the true knowledge regarding the uh, concepts and the misconceptions and doubts these people may raise in your land, throughout your home, uh, at your homeland, in your homeland. So Ibn Taymiyyah classified al hulul into two types, specific hulul, like the claim of the Christians that Allah is incarnated in Isa alayhi salam, unlike of the extremist Shia and Sufi mystics who claim that Allah is incarnated in Ali ibn al-Talib or in their special Sufi sense respectively. Now the second kind is the general hulul. هناك الأول الحلول الخاص الآن الحلول العام general hulul. And it is the saying that Allah in his essence is everywhere. You understand the general hulul? The general hulul, the specific hulul that Allah is incarnated in, in special. You see? Special features. Now the general hulul is that Allah in his essence is what? Is everywhere. Among the most daring Sufis who held to the concept of incarnation was Al-Hallaj. I mentioned his name earlier. He was killed for his concepts. Who had the concept of an incarnation was Al-Hallaj and who was tried for his heresy and put to death by the Abbasiyyah, by Al-Dawla Al-Abbasiyyah, by the Abbasid authorities. Ibn Ajiba, this is a principal Sufi mystic, who died in the year 1224, which is 1809 by the Christian era. One of the leading Sufis who explained this Ibn Ajiba, by the way, his book is widely circulated amongst the Sufis, and you should know about that. He explained another book. This other book that he explained belongs to an author, and a really a principal Sufi, by the name of Ibn Ata'ullah. <coughs> Ibn Ata'ullah. Ibn Ata'ah. Ibn Ata'ah died in the year 709. Ibn Ata'ah died in the year 709. And Ibn Ata'ah wrote a book called it Al-Hikam. Called it Al-Hikam. This Ibn Ajiba came and explained Al-Hikam. 
and he said the hikam, yani reached a level that like almost like the Quran. That they could almost substitute for the Quran. The hikam of Ibn Abba. He related now who he referred to Al-Hallaj now in his book the explanation of Al-Hikam of Ibn Ata. You know now the relationship. Ibn Ata wrote the book Al-Hikam. Ibn Ajiba explained the book. This book is widely circulated in Southeast Asia. So be careful. Malaysia, Indonesia, many places. Yeah. It may reach also the Philippines. You might have it there. Al-Hikam of Ibn Ata was explained by Ibn Ajiba. And in his book, he related the following saying of Al-Hallaj. I am you without doubt. Ah, ah, somebody said, ah, yani, oh, he remembered that. You read that? Right. I am you without doubt. Referring to Allah. He's saying, I am you without doubt. Subhanak is subhani. Subhanak is subhani. When you say subhanallah, what does it mean? Now, we're going to use a better word. It means that you uh, testify and acknowledge and you certain that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is high above every imperfection. You understand? Free from all kinds of imperfections. Yeah. So this man, by al-Hallaj, he said, yani, uh, I am you without doubt. Subhanak, subhani. Subhanak, oh Allah, is subhani myself. Your tawheed is my tawheed and disobeying you is disobeying me. High Allah is above what they attribute to him. Then he said, glorified be he whom his nasut, creation, human qualities, made manifest the secret of his shining and piercing lahut, the divine. Right? Hada, the words of the Al-Hallaj. Lahut and nasut are terms of the Christian origin, referring to the dwelling of lahut, al god in nasut, that is Isa. Man. Nasud, meaning to insan, meaning referring to Isa. Lahud, referring to Allah. He then, look, he is still continuing, still saying, he then appeared in his creation, manifested in the image of the one who eats and drinks. Even his creation was able to see him with their own eyes, like the moment an eyebrow sees an eyebrow, emphasizing certainty. Ibn Ajiba added, quote, and because of the unraveling of such matters, and when the Hallaj unraveled these beliefs, when he spoke about these beliefs and other similar ones, Al-Hallaj was capable. Remember, they said you have to keep it to yourself, you don't have to. But because he unraveled these beliefs, he spoke about them, uh, Al-Hallaj was, was what? Crucified. These matters, according to Ibn Ajiba and other mystics, should not be disclosed should not be disclosed because to them they represent the mystic knowledge. The mystic knowledge. They are the secrets of their tawheed. You think that these people have, you know, left us? No, I don't, don't think so. In London, in the heart of London, there's a church run by one of the Naqshbandi, by the name of Nazim Shah, I believe. Nazim Shah Naqshbandi. Uh, he took over a church and then he renovated it or something and it, it became a center for his uh, Sufi work. Uh, this person, you know, there are followers for him and everything and he classified the followers 
into categories in terms of their uh, their uh, acquiring the, his teachings. And he said that one of the classes that he's got is a class specified for those who will receive the esoteric knowledge. Who receive the esoteric knowledge. And it's all, you know, to them in the past and the present. It's only understood only by the elite. By the elite, the special ones. So this is regarding Al-Hulul. This is one of their tawheeds. The second is that some see Allah as the only existing being. Some see Allah as the only existing what? Being. This is stressed by Al-Ghazali. By Al-Ghazali. Imam Al-Ghazali, may Allah forgive him. In his book, Ihya' Ulum al-Din, which is widely spread. In his book, Ihya' Ulum al-Din. And it's filled with such things. It's filled with يعني, corrupt uh, concepts and methodologies. It's filled with corrupt hadith and mawdur. Fabricated and weak hadith. So be careful. And it's translated also into English. Yeah. Not only into English, many languages. In his book, Ihya' Ulum al-Din, he said, quote, Anyone who does not see Allah in everything, then he sees other than him. And that, quote, the pure tawheed is to see in everything nothing but Allah. The pure tawheed is to see what? In everything nothing but Allah. The meaning of such tawheed is that there is one existing being and that is Allah. The one who sees an existence other than that of Allah is a mushrik. You see the, 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 the definition of the Tawheed and the, the definition of the Shirk. Yeah. The one who sees in existence other than that of, other than that of Allah commits Shirk. Al-Ghazali explains the perfect understanding of La ilaha illallah to him as, quote, to see none except the one, the truth. Hadi la ilaha illallah. To see none except the one. And that represents, it represents, quote, the perfect state of Tawheed. This is the perfect state of Tawheed as was defined by Al-Ghazali. He referred to a state of Tawheed as witnessed by the sincere ones and which the Sufis call Al-Fana in Tawheed, annihilation in Tawheed. As the one in which, quote, only one, that is Allah, is seen in the entire existence, in the world. Al-Ghazali stresses that the utmost objective of Tawheed is to see everything not as many, but as as one. You see? Not to see Al-Kul, everything. Don't see it as Kathir, as many, but as one. And that this quote represents the objective of the Sufi knowledge known as Kashf. Known as Kashf. What about the Kashf? Is to see nothing now according to him, but Allah. To see nothing but Allah. And everything, that's Allah. And that the secrets of this knowledge, look, the secrets, the secrets, Allah. And Islam is built on clarity. Islam is built on clarity. It's not just on these complications and secrecy. The secrets of this knowledge should not be recorded in a book. Should not be recorded in a book. He defined the mushrik as the one called who affirms the existence of any existence beside that of Allah. To define an existence beside the existence of Allah, then this is shirk. And that Allah is, quote, the witness and the witness. 
الشاهد والمشهود the witness and what the witness the beloved the beloved with a small b and the beloved with a capital b and he is the shakir the one who is thankful and the mashkur the one who deserves acknowledgement and recognition all of these are in ihya ulum hadith this is not true tawhid certainly the believer knows well that allah is distinct and separate from his creation the believer knows that allah is distinct and separate from his creation this is not tawhid this is wahda this is unity and the doctrine of wahda al wujud this is the third one now we finished now al hulul and now we spoke about the existence of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to them yani all existence is allah is existence in everything you see nothing yani everything nothing but allah you see nothing but allah the third one is the doctrine of wahda al wujud this is neither hulul remember wahda al wujud now is neither hulul nor ittihad nor union between allah and creation rather it means that every creature which the eye sees is allah in essence hadi wahda al wujud you understand wahda al wujud is not hulul and it's not union you understand this is complete wahda complete wahda what does it complete wahda mean as we explain it means that every creature which the eye sees is allah in in what in essence you understand everything is allah in essence this is wahda al wujud unity of existence this concept of the unity of existence is existence is held by many of the so called sufi saints awliya like ibn al farid who died in 632 ibn arabi who died in 638 ibn sab'in who died in 669 Al-Aqif al-Tilmisani who died in 690, Ibn Bashish or Ibn Mashish died in 622, Abdul Ghani al-Nabulsi who died in 1143 and others, many others. Under such concept, the presence of creation is an illusion or an imagination. The presence of you and me is only one, illusion. It is an imagination. Many Sufis consider Ibn Arabi, which they call the greatest sheikh, and the symbol of wahda al wujud he's the one who really is a symbol for this concept ibn arabi he considers the sufi who knows of allah one who is what we call al arif billah al arif billah in, in sufi terms al arif billah is the one who knows of allah according to their way of course al arif billah is the one who quote sees allah in everything sees allah in everything rather he sees him allah the essence of everything this is in ibn arabi's khusus al-hikam in his book khusus al-hikam and that he allah is the essence of existence he said ibn arabi considers also all kinds of creeds to be true he considers all kinds of creeds to be true and he believed in them all this is the unity of worship to him this is the unity of worship is to believe in all the creeds which people hold qal and he wrote a poem and he said in it aqad al khalaiq fi al ilah aqaida wa ana a'taqadtu jami'a ma a'taqaduhu 
Creatures have held certain tenets regarding the ilah, and I have believed in all of what they have believed in. You understand? Is that clear? This is his unity of worship. This is his unity of worship. This is quoted from Imam al-Dahabi, Tariq al-Islam. He also said in Arabi, look at this, he said, Be careful not to restrict yourself to a particular or distinct tree and deny everything else, otherwise you would miss a great deal of good. Rather, you would miss knowing the matter as it is. So, be within yourself a substance for all the forms of creeds, for Allah is greater than being limited by one creed and excluding another. This is the words of Ibn Arabi in his Fusus, in his book Fusus. So, accommodate all creeds. Accommodate all creeds to him. The book of Ibn Arabi contains many statements in which he considers everything worshipped on earth is Allah. And that his heart, Ibn Arabi's heart, quote, turned to accept every image. It became a monastery for monks, a home for idols, the Kaaba for the one is in Tawaf, the tablets of the Torah, and the book of the Quran. That's his heart. Accommodate Allah, all things. Add to him to be the true person who has reached the level of this knowledge. This is only a very brief presentation on the position of the mystic Sufis regarding the belief in Allah and the Tawheed of Allah, who is high above what they attribute to him. Imam al-Dahabi rahimahullah said regarding the books of Ibn Arabi, Kitab al-Khusus, regarding him, regarding this book he described it, that, saying, if there is no kufr in its khusus, then there is no kufr in this world. If there is no kufr in the book of khusus, then there is no kufr in this world. There is no kufr in this world. This is the position regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why don't we take five minutes break and we finish with the second part, inshallah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We continue regarding the second aspect of the, our talk uh, concerning the beliefs of the Sufis. We have covered now the belief the Tawheed, vis-a-vis uh, the true Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala held by the Salaf. Now we're going to take their position regarding Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Regarding Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, the Muslim believes that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the messenger of Allah and the last prophet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this regard, ما كان محمد أبا أحد من رجالكم ولكن رسول الله وخاتم النبيين. In Surah Al-Ahzab, which is Surah 33, Ayah 40, Muhammad is not the father of any of your men, but he is the messenger of Allah and the last of the prophets. This is Surah Al-Ahzab, 33, verse 40. Allah entrusted Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam with the final and complete message of Islam. Calling mankind to worship none but Allah. He, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is the best of the messengers. And he is the one who is held high in honor with Allah. And the best of mankind. He has no share at all of ar 
محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم has no share in what? In our rububiyya. Nor any share in divinity. Contemplate the saying of Allah regarding this prophet. قُلْ لَا أَمْلِكُ لِنَفْسِي نَفْعًا وَلَا ضَرًّا إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ اللَّهِ وَلَوْ كُنْتُ أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبَ لَاسْتَكْثَرْتُ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ وَمَا مَسَّنِيَ السُّوءِ إِنْ أَنَا إِلَّا نَذِيرٌ وَبَشِيرٌ لِقَوْمٍ يُؤْمِنُونَ In Surah Al-A'raf, which is Surah 7, verse 188, chapter 7, 188, Say, O Muhammad, it is not within my power to bring benefit, nor to keep away harm, except as Allah wills. And if I knew what the future holds, I could amass a great deal of wealth, and harm would not befall me. But I am just a messenger from Allah, sent by him to warn those who disobey him of his punishment, and to give glad tidings of his reward for those who truly believe in him and are obedient to him. Alhamdulillah. Very clear regarding Muhammad sallallahu nature and his message. He وسلم, stressed that I am just a human like yourselves. I forget just as you forget. So if I forget, then remind me. This is reported by Muslim in his Sahih. The belief that Muhammad وسلم, is the messenger of Allah necessitates the following. You declare that La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. But what do you, do you really understand from the second part, Muhammad Rasulullah? It necessitates the following points. A. That he is the true messenger of Allah. He did not lie, nor was he blind. He did not lie, nor he was blind. Two. The Muslim should follow his teachings. The Muslim should follow his teachings. Three. The Muslim believes in all of the reports which he related regarding the past, present, and the future, and that these reports were revealed to him by Allah and was not something which he knew in his own. On his own. Clear? The Muslim believes in all of the reports which, which he, sallallahu alayhi wa related, whether in reports about the past, you know, from the stories of the prophets before, or the nations before, or the present at his times, or of the future times, but regarding the future, regarding the past, or regarding even the present, all these reports were revealed to him by whom? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And was not something which he knew on his own. On. You understand? Fourth, we comply with his commands. We comply with his commands. You know the Sahaba, may Allah be peace with them all, when they listen to the Prophet, and they heard, they heard the, the commands he stated, they did not ask whether this is obligatory, this is sunnah, this is wajib, this is not. They immediately accepted and complied and applied. Now look at our status now. We hear the order, we ask, is it wajib? Is it sunnah? Is it mustahab? Is it, is it, is it? You got the command clear? Alhamdulillah, you believe in the Prophet you accept, you comply, and you apply to the best of your ability. But suppose you fall into a mistake, right? Out of ignorance, or, or, or etc. Then you come and ask, was this a wajib or a sunnah? That's okay. Why? Because if there are certain obligations regarding this act, 
you could come up with them. You understand? Or you could repent. Is that clear? This is after doing the thing if you don't know. But before when you know, before you know, and you, you've got the sunnah, you've got the words of the Prophet you comply. This is really the thing which lifts the person up in his understanding and application of the sunnah. I hope that any benefit, inshallah, from this remark. It's very important. Because we witness nowadays many people, you know, when you tell them about this is a sunnah, oh no. is it, you know, is this, is it that, they start asking. Comply to the best of your ability. Right. Fine. We stay away from what he forbade. We comply with his commands and we stay away from what he forbade. We defend the Sharia which he was entrusted with. We defend the Sharia which he was entrusted with against all sorts of alterations, against all sorts of bid'ah, against all sorts of innovations. We defend his Sharia. That's the belief in Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And seven. We comply with all, with all that he, sallallahu alayhi wa brought from the sharia as if it were from Allah. Because he is inspired from Allah regarding all aspects of the message. Now, in the sight of the mystic Sufis, the Prophet, sallallahu is looked upon in ways that oppose the path which Allah intended for the believers. This could be summarized in the following points. Number one. Many Sufis stress the concept of what they call, and we mentioned this earlier, the concept of Al-Haqiqa Al-Muhammadiyya. Al-Haqiqa Al-Muhammadiyya. Or the perfect man, Al-Insan Al-Kamil. You take your thoughts a little bit back, right? And you know that we touched a little bit on the definition of Al-Haqiqa Al-Muhammadiyya or Al-Insan Al-Kamil. That he is the first designation of the essence of Allah. Right? We mentioned that earlier. In the world of Sufism, Al-Insan Al-Kamil, I remind you, is the barrier. <coughs> barrier, quote in the quote, qualified with both the essence of Allah and the essence of creation. And he is the one who comprises all the words of the divine and that of creation, the complete and the partial. That's according to their definition. He, deser- he deserves the names of the that, the that means Allah's essence, and the divine qualities and the sifat. He deserves both of them. The Sufi mystics refer to Prophet Muhammad as being the perfect man. Or Al-Haqiq Al-Muhammadiyyah, that is, the that of Allah in its essence, in its first designation. To him, Muhammad belongs all of the most beautiful names, and he is Al-Ism Al-A'zam, Allah's greatest name. From Muhammad, the entire creation, this world and the hereafter, was brought to exist. You understand? That's their understanding of Al-Haqiq Al-Muhammadiyah. Meaning, Muhammad reality. So that this is the reality regarding Muhammad. He's the first designation of the essence of Allah. And from Muhammad came the entire creation of existence. We were brought to existence. This is most fully described by Abdul Karim Al-Jili, who died in 820. He is a Sufi of the school of Ibn Arabi. The one who is a symbol of the concept of Wahdat al-Wujud. In his book, the book title was Al-Insan al-Kamil. In this book he said, quote, No, may Allah guard and protect you that Al-Insan al-Kamil, the perfect man, is the axis. They use this word, Qutb. Al-Qutb al-Sufi. 
Aqtab, they have several Aqtab, plural of Qutb, actually. Yeah, they say, they are saints, these are titles for their special saints, Al-Qutb. You know, the Qutb could run the affairs of the world. To the Sufis. Now, Al-Insan al-Kamil is the axis around which the spheres of existence from beginning to end revolves. Huh? And he is one since the beginning of existence and forever and ever. Furthermore, look at that. <coughs> he takes on various forms and appears in churches. His original name which belongs to him is Muhammad. I met him while he was in the image of my sheikh. And he is the secret behind this matter. And the secret behind this matter is him being able to take the form of every image. Muhammad To take the form of every image. Because from him, you know, the entire spheres came from. The lofty and the lower. Yes? According to these Sufis. This creed is the same creed of Ibn Arabi. And it advocates, or Ibn Arabi rather, the one who advocated the concept of wahdat al-wujud. Wahdat, unity of Unity of age of existence. Those who claim that Allah is the essence of all that exists. Hadith simply They consider the Prophet as the first created being and from him originated the rest of the creation and that he himself is the God who is above the Prophet. Such concept is similar to the philosophical concept of what is called the first cause or the first intellect. Al-Aql al-Awwal. The philosophers, you know, when they speak about the first cause or the first intellect, this is similar. They, they, they read these concepts and they uh, brought it to apply it in, in Islam. Such concept is similar to the philosophical concept of that called first cause. Or the first active intellect from whom the creation emanated. This is the concept of emanation. The philosophical concept of what? Emanation. Huh? Right. Second thing related, related to Muhammad So this is the first thing. Some of them believe that Muhammad represents the first designation of the that, of the essence of Allah. And from Muhammad came the entire creation and he himself, Muhammad, is the God of the throne. This is the top extreme. The second, some Sufis hold to the same concept that we just mentioned, about, yeah, just we mentioned, but they do not say that the essence of Muhammad is above the Arsh. They don't say that the essence of Muhammad is what is above the Arsh. But rather they say that from him came the entire creation, as mentioned earlier. Third, many Sufis claim that the light of Muhammad, nor Muhammad, the light of Muhammad, is the first being, is the first being. And that he, وسلم, is the most honorable of creation, and for his sake, look at that, and for Muhammad's sake, Allah has created the universe. Had it not been for Muhammad, Allah would have not created the universe. The entire universe is created for the sake of whom? Muhammad. And this is even common on the tongue of common Muslims and who are affected by the Sufis. Had it not been for you, he would not have created all these uh, spheres. Isn't it? Didn't you hear such a thing? This is all that goes back to the first concept. Uh, but it's coming mild. They don't want to say Muhammad himself, they're saying the light of Muhammad. 
You see, this is the catch. Light of Muhammad. But if you dig deep into the secret, you find that they mean that Muhammad himself. Not just his life. To say that these are modern Sufis. Yeah? They don't, you see, because if you come to the, to the, uh, to the common Muslims, you know, they cannot really go deep and tell them right away, you know, what it's all about. They have to take them gradually into the esoteric and the mystic ways. They don't explicitly say that the, the creatures originated from Muhammad. Uh, this is uh, the third rule. I want to give you some names so that you remember when you, if, if you come across, you hit the red light. You know, you flash the red light. You can find many of the Sufi concepts regarding Muhammad in sayings, writings, and invocations of principal Sufis like Abu Talib al-Makki, al-Ghazali, Ibn Arabi, al-Jimi, Ibn Mashish, or sometimes said Ibn Bashish. Abu al-Hasan al-Shazri, who is a to whom yani, uh, belongs the Shadili uh, Tariqa. It's famous in Egypt, in, in, in Syria, and many places. Abu Hassan al-Shadli, al-Busiri. Al-Busiri, the one who wrote their infamous poem, Nahj al-Burda. Nahj al-Burda. This is something, you know, singers sing. Something memorized by many common Muslims who are really knowing what it is. In it, there is explicit shirk. Elevating Muhammad to the level of divinity. That he knows what's written in Allah al-Mahfoub. In the preserved family. Ibn, uh, we mentioned al-Busiri in Nahj al-Burda. Ahmed Badawi. You know, Badawi. Badawi has a grave in Egypt. Two million people circulate around the grave every year. In the city of Tampa in Egypt. They make pilgrimage to that. The grave of Badawi. Al-Jazuli, and then his book, Dala'il al-Khayrat. This Dala'il al-Khayrat is, you can find it in many, many mosques even. This book, Dala'il al-Khayrat, is called Book of Dhikr. And in it there is a lot of shirk. Ahmed al-Rifa'i, to whom belongs, or uh, people attribute al-Tariq al-Rifa'iyyah. Al-Tariq al-Rifa'iyyah. Ibrahim al-Nassuqi, Fakhruddin al-Razi, Muhammad al-Bakri, al-Salal al-Bakriya, invocations. Another, some invocations stressing such concepts that we mentioned include Al-Tijaniyya, Al-Jilaniyya, Al-Saqafiyya, Al-Idrisiyya, and others as well. You find in their books what we have mentioned regarding Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he is the light, you know, from whom all...